we're just going to talk to you about education and improv education and get all your knowledge and wisdom. I love it. Right. I love it. So, uh, John, so it's like a five minute podcast for all of my knowledge and wisdom. <laughs> okay. No, we're going to, well, you're going to have to fabricate a little bit then. Okay. Okay. I'll make, I'll, I'll improvise. All right. If, yeah. If, if only there was a skill, a skill yeah. right. where you could listen to someone yeah. and then say yes. And put more information. Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. All right, John, <laughs> kick us off. Atlanta. Don't expect us to explain why there's so many streets named Peachtree. We uh, don't understand it either. It's the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast, brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here are your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell, and a man who constantly emails me on Fridays and asks if I can get him a voiceover by Saturday for the show to drop on Sunday. There are four other days of the week, you big butthole. John Mihalik. John Mihalik. It's okay, John. I'm living in between here in Chicago right now. And so, is that how, how you pronounce it? Chicago? Anyway, so tweaking the, the travel setup has been a thing. So I hope it sounds okay. That's all I know. I'm, I'm cutting some corners and just using all my knowledge of audio processing and engineering to get her done for you. Because I love whole world. <laughs> I'm not there enough and I want to be. I don't know how. I'll figure it out someday. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. I'm John Mihalik, and with me is my co-host, the executive producer, the Grand Poobah, the artistic director, Mr. Chip Powell. Hey, John. How's it going? I'm all right, Chip. Glad that we're going on in the uh, education series, and we have an incredible guest today. Yes. We've had this guest at the theater and attempted to teach us Shakespearean barb. And I still try to use some of those lessons this day when I teach my class. I use some of the thee and thou and though and all that stuff that you wrote down for us. But it's Amanda Roundtree, everybody. Give it up for Amanda. Hey, Hey. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. We kicked off last week with Paul Peller because we bring him down from New York and he had a lot of great wisdom to share with the community going all the way back to Miss Viola Spolin, which is one of his inspirations. So uh, what inspired you to want to start teaching and instructing improv? I, oh my gosh. So I have been um, performing. I had, I'm trying to think of how long I had been performing improv before I started instructing. And I think it was... Uh, I sort of stumbled into it actually at first. Um, I had been performing since I was a teenager. And when I relocated to Seattle, I was, how old was I? 21, something like that, 22. After being there for about a year, I was with a theater group that had gotten a grant to teach Uh, the specific kind of improv that we did, which was playback theater, which is a whole separate world of improv, uh, which is great. And I can talk about later if you like, but we had gotten a grant. And so I was actually with a teaching partner, which was actually one of the best ways to learn how to start teaching. I was with somebody who knew more than I did, but I was kind of their assistant, but we were teaching together and it was for kids. And I realized that I just loved it. I fell in love with it. So after that, I started trying to find more opportunities opportunities to teach. And I was with a different theater ensemble that had a 
wealth of information, lots of people who'd been doing it for a while. And we had some programs that were some after-school programs. So after several years of that, just, I think it was that first chance, getting a chance to teach and finding out that I could do it if I had a little bit of help to lean on. And then just after that, I just kept exploring it. I started instructing here, even though I was a director at a children's educational tour group. So I had been directing people, but I had never actually really taught. And so it wasn't until I got the whole world. And I think over, you know, this is going to be my 27th year here. Oh, wow. That's so great. <laughs> that's, that's really not good to say, but I said it anyway. <laughs> but, um, but I think along the way, as an instructor, I picked up more and learned more over the years. So I was kind of interested, you know, from where you started to where you are now, what's the growth process in your instructing abilities? I mean, I'm way better than I was. I know that. <laughs> That's pretty much what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's hard because now that I'm on this end of it where, and I'm still always learning, your every class is different and every student is different and students learn in different ways and classes that are, you know, a, a group of students are going to have their own combination that makes them learn in different ways. I'm constantly learning, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm grateful for what I've learned and I'm grateful for where I am now. And I'm definitely more comfortable now than I was being able to trust my teacher impulses and be able to notice if something doesn't feel right and be able to step in in the moment and stop it so that nobody is injured <laughs> and not physically, I'm not even talking about physically injured, but just, you know, you know what it's like to be in a class where something happens that shouldn't have happened that can stick with you for years as a student. And maybe it was because a teacher said something. Maybe it was because a lot of times another student said something. Maybe it was because something shouldn't have been corrected when it was corrected. But when I was a younger teacher, before I had the experience of years and years, I was less able to be able to, one, see those things, notice that something was happening <laughs> that needed to be corrected. And two, even if I did see it, I lacked the tools uh, and the experience to be able to handle it. So the things that happen are when you start to have situations like that, I'm, be I'm being specifically vague just because a lot of things can fall into it, but I can give more uh, specific yeah. examples later. When you have those moments, those are the moments that teach you how to handle them. For, uh, and so I, I hope that I didn't do any harm to any of my students when I was learning as a teacher. I hope that I handled things well, but I also am gifted with a terrible memory. So I don't know. <laughs> I think we're, we're one, we're one in the same. Yeah. Right. I haven't, yeah, I haven't had anybody tell me specifically that like something you did really bothered me and that's good, but yeah. So, but I'm always trying to be aware of everything. I had a uh, student one time. I'll give you an example. Okay. Um, and then I'll give you one after. Okay. Um, <laughs> I had a student one time and I had a bunch of scenes going on on this stage right here at the same time. And at the time we were doing some scripted work. So there was, there was a set. So there were things on the set and I don't know what was happening because I was trying to pay attention to all the scenes. And as I got around to the one that was over on this side, all of a sudden, a rocking chair flew over my head and crashed. And I was like, oh, my God. And then the guy and the girl in the scene were, I mean, they were going at, so I called scene, but they kept going at each other. 
And they were, I mean, they, he was in her face. He was screaming at her. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like, you have to leave. Like you have to walk out right now. And I got him out back into our back parking lot and I calmed her down. I went out there. I went, what's going on, man? And he's like, she kept trying to make me gay and I'm not gay. And I went, oh, wait, okay, wait, hold on a second. I went, you threw a chair across the room and almost hit me because someone was referring to you as gay. And he said, yes, I'm highly offended. I went, wait, 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 calm down. I went, why in God's name would you pick up a chair? He's like, well, I didn't take my medication this morning. And I went, okay, well, I'm going to drop you from the class because I can't trust that if you're not going to take your medication, that somebody in this class is not going to get hurt. Right. Also, FYI, we're doing makeups. We're doing make-believe. It's it's pretend. Well, Even if you, like what we say about you isn't even what you are, let alone the whole other topic that this shouldn't be offensive to you. Well, yeah. so you know, you, you take those things personally because you don't of have to out of the class. Well, a few years later, I'm at a Beastie Boys concert with one of my best friends, and we're down in the mosh pit because that's just how you do Beastie Boys, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, this guy was like right here in my face, and he was like, Hey, how are you doing? I went, I'm fine. He goes, Do you remember me? I said, I sure do. And he said, you were the best improvised instructor I've ever had in my whole entire life. And I went, oh, okay. All right. I'll, I'll take it. Oh, wow. I'll, I'll take oh my that. Goodness. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I guess he was on medication that day. I guess he was on his, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. But seriously, take your meds. It's important. There's nothing wrong with it. And sometimes we just have chemical imbalances and we just need a little help. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Hey. You've been listening to people talk about improv, so why not try it yourself? Whole World Improv Theater has in-person improv classes for beginners and seasoned actors alike. No prior experience is needed. Our class program is eight weeks long and full of people just like you who want to learn and have a lot of fun. Just check out our website to learn more or sign up. The website is wholeworldtheater.com, and that's theater with an R-E at the end, because we're fancy. Yeah, my example was I, this was one of the first times I was teaching adults and you don't have this problem with kids. <laughs> and I, so I was teaching adults. It was a beginning level class. So we were, you know, working with yes and, and we were doing the game freeze tag, which many improvisers know is the physical, you know, you're in a physical position, you freeze, you come in, you tap out one of the players, you take that physical position, you do a brand new reality based on those positions. So it's constant improv beginning of scenes. And this guy, I, was noticing that every time he was in a scene with a woman, he was making passes at them, like, (laughs) because we were working on yes and. And so it was like, he felt like, oh, they have to say yes to me (laughs) because we're beginning improv. And so I, I mean, it was that stupid, but I've actually seen it before after that. So I stopped and I addressed it and I was like, hey, and I remember specifically because... (laughs) Like I said, I have a terrible memory, but there are certain things I remember. And the reason I remember this one is because it was the first time that it happened. And I remember thinking, how do I handle this? How do I handle this? I ha- I'm the person who handles it because I'm the teacher. And I did. And I, whether or not it was Rocky, looking back on it, I think I handled it well, but that's my, maybe my own ego. But I, you know, I stopped it. I addressed it. I addressed what he was doing. And I had three different students afterwards come after, come to me after the class, you know, was over when they felt safe to and 
tell me that they appreciated it because it made them more comfortable in the class, obviously, you know? So that was something that for me, that was a turning point in my teaching because it was a time where, and I'm sure for you, Chip, that that was a turning point for you too. It was like, I have to stop. This is crazy. Um, It just made me aware of like, they're, you know, you're dealing with people and you're dealing with whatever they're coming to class with and whatever their past experiences are. And so those make the decisions that people make. And you're also, re, you know, you're encouraging them, trust your impulse, react in the moment, respond, respond. And so with all that combination, you're sometimes going to get some people that are responding in ways that are just not safe, that are, you know, hurtful or that are just dangerous and bad. <laughs> So, so recognizing that separation between, yes, I'm encouraging you to be spontaneous and to be open and to trust everything, but also we're still in a framework where we're treating each other with respect and we're going to be kind. And some people don't quite get that. And so as I've aged into teaching, I feel like I've gotten better at communicating those things. (laughs) I want to jump back to um, playback improv. Oh yeah. Playback theater. Yeah. So playback, uh, playback theater is a form of theater that was created in the mid seventies in upstate New York in the U S if I'm not mistaken. And it was created, uh, I'm sure that stuff before that existed, but this playback specifically and playback was created by a couple of, um, therapists that were married who actually are divorced now. Fun fact. Uh, but, uh, but what well, playback is, two things is, I love improv. And I know. <laughs> and divorce. So much fun. Um, Express yourself, y'all. Trust your impulses. Uh, Playback is a form of improvised theater where you hear an audience member's personal story and then you play it back to them. But if you're in a really great playback group um, (laughs) uh, and you're, you know, you're talented and stuff, it is not just let's just repeat what just happened, but you're elevating it to a piece of theater and it can be very, very cathartic. I also do a lot of personal storytelling stuff, which is unrelated to improv, but telling a story and hearing stories are already cathartic, but to have that second half where you elevate it to a piece of theater, it can be very cathartic. Many playback groups don't do public shows. I was in a group that did public shows, but we also did private shows. Some playback groups are not necessarily filled with actors and are more or less filled with therapists that do it for more of a drama therapy. So there's a spectrum of it from entertainment to therapy. I was definitely on the entertainment spectrum. Although, as I like to say, uh, any kind of theater is therapy, but don't try to make it therapy <laughs> unless you're registered. Uh, unless you're a registered <laughs> therapist, I am. I am not. I am not a registered therapist. Yeah, yeah but that's playback. <laughs> yeah, we're actually kind of doing our late show on Saturday. It's called "What ha- Happened Was," and we go out into the audience and we go, "Ah, oh, who's had an amazing thing happen to them in the last couple of months?" or who has had a, a oopsie in front of people <laughs> in the public? You know, just yeah. different things like that. And we reenact the stories. I mean, it's a great form of theater. It's so mm-hmm. much fun because it also takes a little bit more than just audience suggestion. It takes an audience member's like storyline or personal. Yeah, their full experience. Yeah. 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 And so the audience usually loves that kind of stuff. 
Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of um, short form games that are, that use like a touch of that, right? There's mm. the nightmare or the dream. There's yeah. the life in 30 seconds or day in 30 seconds or whatever half-life there's um, I, you know, to bring up Shakespeare again, there's like, I like getting a first date experience and recreating it as a Shakespearean comedy. Um, I love that. Yeah. Stuff like <laughs> that is really that. fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the Shakespeare stuff you taught us, I mean, I've really taken a lot of that and I love throwing it in the show and I love throwing it on my students. Major support for Whole World Improv Theater is provided by the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs, where beautiful people bring you the arts while surrounded by singing birds and fairies. They must have us mistaken for something like Shakespeare in the Park. Or the vagina monologues. Vagina. You teach a wide range of stuff because, you know, when we go online and we look for you, you've got a lot of things that you're teaching. What's your favorite out of all those to teach? <gasps> all my babies are my favorite. Oh, that's a <laughs> hard question. I really like the variety of it. I'm the type of person that doesn't like to have the same breakfast every day. So mm. I, I like to mix it up, but I will try to answer your question and not just get out of it. Um, one of the classes I like to teach a lot are my advanced scene study class, which is an eight week class. Although sometimes I offer it as a, like a two day intensive, but advanced scene study is specifically for improvisers who've been doing improv for a while. They already know the basics and all that stuff. What I do is I kind of dig into a little more acting and more theatricality for improvisers because a lot of improvisers, myself included partly, although, yeah, no, that's correct. <laughs> I, I did improv before I did acting. Um, I, took, I took improv classes before I took acting classes. I took acting classes very quickly after taking improv classes because I loved improv so much. But improv was definitely my way in. And for a lot of improvisers, almost the majority, especially in the U.S., I think, they do improv, but they don't consider themselves actors. And they don't even, you know, they feel like there's a separation there. And I like to kind of bridge that gap a little bit, especially after being in Chicago. The best improvisers in Chicago were also actors and the best actors in Chicago were also improvisers from like Steppenwolf to the Goodman and like just all over, you know, Second City and things. So I feel like it's really, really helpful to up your skill level, whatever you're coming in from. And so my advanced scene study class definitely kind of turns you from uh, a person who just does improv to a person who does improvised theater. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like to tell my uh, actors that are coming into the 101 level that when I teach them how to kind of stop the world and warm up, that once they hit the floor, that they are, to me, a professional actor in this industry wanting to learn something and they need to treat themselves as a professional actor in the industry. Show up on time, be ready, be there for your partners. It's so funny that you say I did so much theater before I found improv, but I was I started as a kid. As I got older and only recently through Pinch and Ouch have I found theater again, you know, doing Glenn Geary, Glenn Ross, which there and again, you know, let's kick off with the hardest one. <laughs> 
those uh, pictures, I think, when you posted on social well, media. Then, yeah, uh, awesome. Emily and I did Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Um, oh, great. You know, which was not an easy feat. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking as we're coming out of the pandemic about doing another piece because they had offered one to me, but I had to kind of focus on this. So for you as a improviser actor, what advice would a improvised teacher, instructor like yourself give a professional actor? I do. Actually, that's one of the classes that I teach. I teach improv for actors. Um, so I have a four-week and an eight-week session of those and also a workshop that I do for actors. A lot of the improv for actors classes kind of just teach improv to a room full of actors, which is good. I also add things where I tell them how they can apply these lessons specifically to auditions and specifically to, you know, like casting calls and such like that. Because I think that that's the biggest reason why an actor is going to want to take an improv class. Because a lot of times when you're in casting or you actually got cast to something or you're auditioning, a lot of times the they will be like, okay, well, let's just improvise this part, you know, and some actors will be like, oh my God, what? <laughs> So yeah, so I think the biggest lesson for actors to learn is that even though they're they are given this script, that obviously, and it and it feels, you know, obvious to say, but I think we're so as when we're in the acting framework, we're just like, I gotta learn these lines, I gotta give them what they want. That the improv thing that helps is just kind of breathing and recognizing like there was a reason that you were given these lines and you've got this, and to look a little deeper. And oh I think God. I think the <laughs> I think the biggest thing that actors, sorry, I think the biggest thing that actors can get out of an improv class is at least for the way that I teach it sometimes, is just like that point of view thing of like looking at a script and being like, what is this character's point of view? I'm just given this little bit, but I can use my imagination and I can walk around the space in my apartment and act out this character on a good day. And I can act out this character on a bad day. And then it's going to be easier for me to play those moments between the lines. Uh, so we work a lot with, you know, just using your imagination and trusting your impulses and saying yes to your own ideas for your character, because a lot of times people say no to themselves. So I tell my students that you are the first person you say yes to. So that's the advice an improvisational teacher would give to an actor. I think so. What kind of advice would an acting teacher give to an improviser? Oh my gosh, I think some of the things that Chip said, come on time, wear clothes that cover your things, brush your hair, what is happening to your face? You know, like treat this as a craft of what it is and not just like, oh, this is a little fun thing that I do to just like, woohoo. I mean, improv is a fun thing, but it is so much more. And I think that a lot of times improvisers have a, what is it, what is it called where you're like um, the fear of Oh, imposter syndrome, right? Where you're not taking yourself seriously enough. Like improv, it can be very difficult. It's And it's certainly something that's very intimidating. Whether or not it's easy, I think anybody can learn how to do improv. And I think it's fun and easy and great. But I recognize that it's very intimidating, that the thought of improvising is very intimidating. And so at least carry that with you, that you are doing something that is very impressive to many, many people and take yourself seriously. Like what you're doing is, is good and improv is an art. So yeah, all that stuff. And read my emails because I write really good emails to my students in my cast and not everybody reads them. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast, now powered by twice the recommended daily allowance of energy drinks. 
The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and grand marshal of the Secret Improv Parade is Chip Powell. The other producer and writer is John Mihalik. And John's being really humble with his credits lately. I do declare that he is up to no good. We just do not know what it is yet. I don't know what that was. Original music by The Gentle Readers. And our social media maven is Bethany Rowe. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. Our 100th like gets free merch. If we ever get merch... Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible. Why refuse to send money to Washington? Two words Mitch McConnell. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Arlo. And I've seen more of my current kitty's nipples than any kitty I've ever seen's nipples before. And I've had a lot of kitties, but this one always likes to show me your nipples, like 24-7. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. This is what I mean. You know now that you're on our stage because you just right. saw Emily Riley Russell. Yes, hi Emily. Hi. Hey, how are you? It's so good to see you. Great to see you. I just had a little interview on your little podcast. I I'm so know. excited. I'm so happy.